Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. You don't get no better than that, man. Now Cook's going to throw the deep ball. And Burton's past the defense. Touchdown, Luther Burton. 47 yards. Second place kick is up. It is. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, we are coming to you on Thursday, February 1st, following the Missouri-Arkansas basketball matchup, and uh, one that the Tigers unfortunately took on the chin, 91-84. to <laughs> Colin, uh, this was one I think that a lot of Mizzou fans who've been struggling through chewing the uh, gristle of this basketball team this year were hoping for a win because Arkansas has been bad as well, and uh, we didn't look good at any point in this game. In fact, the fact that we lost by seven points wallpapers over the fact that we played like shit start to finish yeah surprisingly close surprisingly yeah. <laughs> close but it really wasn't um, close we we were down by no. over 20 at points and we looked like a team that was getting beat by 20 it's bad right now guys i don't know how to tell you any other way it's bad right now and i am um, i'm not jumping off any sort of bandwagons yet because i think dennis gates is recruiting at a level that is uh is pretty high and if anybody who's ever listened to this show knows that i believe that when it comes to Collegiate athletics recruiting and is number one, two, and three on the list of things that are important, and everything else comes after that. But man, it looks bad right now. I mean, and I, I see it all over Twitter. Yeah, you know the big chair, Vanover. You know, people not happy with this fellow. Not <laughs> happy. It is hard to believe that it was less than a year ago that all we were doing was spewing out Dennis Gates memes at opposing teams as we would chew through the SEC and into the NCAA tournament, and things looked to just be immediately turned around. But golly, Colin, I mean, last night I sent out a tweet with a picture of Kim Anderson on it, and I said, well, will Missouri ever get basketball figured out again? And I'm somewhat facetious because, you know, Twitter is just – drooling and and we're as bad i'm as bad as anybody being very very reactionary but this is and it's safe to say this is a kim anderson bad season now i'm not jumping off dennis gates because i've been a big supporter of gates well before last season we turned supported out so, gates 
from hire. Right. When a lot of people didn't, a lot of people said, who is this guy? Terrible hire, big, big mistake. And we we're like, give the guy a chance. And I still stand by that. It is halfway through his second year. His second year is fucking bad though. And I think it's safe to acknowledge both things are true. You know, we had a great year last year out of the blue and this year's terrible. So like you said, Colin, we got a bunch of good recruits coming in. So we have reason to hope for next year. But there is reason to believe that we will not win a single fucking game in the SEC conference this year. And that is Kim Anderson bad. Well, I mean, there's a reason that the term sophomore slump is part of the cultural zeitgeist. I mean, this is this happened. Thank God he had a great season last season, because imagine if he had two seasons look like this. We'd be like, this is the same old shit. Yep. And I, I want to think he's a good hire. And I, you know, the first season gave me optimism. His recruiting classes give me optimism. But there's definitely a reason to be skeptical. Yeah. I mean, Mizzou's, for the past 15 years, we have had one bad hire after another. You know, this, the, the, the results have been hard to watch. Disastrous. Like, not just like, you know, oh, that's not very good basketball. Like, just like comically bad. Yeah. Like, just dismal. And I don't know, you know, maybe I should have researched this, but I didn't know I was going to go down this road. But, you know, I don't know if we're having search firms hire these people or if we just got a bunch of old head white dudes in a room who are like, hey, I, I run a big time insurance company. I've made a lot of money. So I'm pretty smart. So smart. They've made me a curator. And I know better than anyone else who we should hire. I don't know if that's what's happening, but that's sort of what I have to blame it on is like the Kim Andersons of the world, the Frank Hanks, the the Conzo Martins, like who is making these? Because it has just been one disastrous hire after another, leading to at best a middling basketball season that we have to pretend is better than it is just so we don't put a gun in our mouth. I want this case to be right. I want him to be who we think he is. I liked the hire. I liked it then. And I don't necessarily know who pulled the trigger and made the decision, but all I know was hiring Kim Anderson was the dumbest decision that a person could make. It it made us seem like such small ball, bush league, like, oh, these guys don't belong, not just in the SEC, but they just don't belong in a conversation about division. I mean, you're going to go hire some rum dumb that used to play for you who's won, a, won at, like, at Warrensburg? You know what I mean? Like, talk about the hire that was definitely made by a bunch of old guys who are nostalgic for an era of basketball. Colin, it's like, like I, we can't afford the Van Camp pork and beans or the Bush's baked beans. We got to buy the best choice, always save baked beans because that's who we are. Kim Anderson was like the always save basketball coach that you get a dented can at Aldi's. And you want your product to be, to be sold to a certain generation of people. Like, okay – we're selling this movie or this product to people who grew up in the 90s. So you know who we're going to get for the commercial? Vanilla Ice. It's all right, I'm safe the Where to your mother? You know, like, yeah. It, yeah. in modern basketball, in the modern era of Mizzou, what the fuck are we doing with Kim Anderson there? I can't believe we're talking about Kim Anderson here. I don't know how I, I just love well. Talking about how miserable the basketball team was at that time, but where to your mother? I don't think Tennis Gates is Kim Anderson. I don't think he's Conzo Martin. He's definitely not Kim Anderson because Kim Anderson could never recruit in anywhere at this level. I mean, Conzo Martin recruited better than Kim Anderson. 
Dennis Gates recruits at a whole nother worldly level. But that being said, people go crazy on Twitter when we make a comparison to Kim Anderson. The Kim Anderson comparison is true in that this season fucking sucks. Now, <laughs> erase that from your little brain and also realize that next year probably won't suck. And both of those things are true. And so I'm not off of Dennis Gates because he's not Kim Anderson. But yes, it is true that this season is a Kim Anderson year. And the fact that people were trying to keep Kim Anderson way back when, Colin, and I'm sure people won't remember this, but people were like, Kim Anderson needs another year. Kim Anderson bad is a term that Missouri fans use. That's how fucking bad he is that people say, <laughs> well, that's just Kim Anderson bad. And everybody knows what it means. Like, But still people wanted to keep him. Anyway, Dennis Gates isn't that. But we should acknowledge with our human brains that function, it's, th- it's this bad this year. Doesn't Kim Anderson was this bad every year. That's the difference. You know, you start to see the coping online. You start to see that I saw guys, I saw a couple different people making Conzo Martin comparisons as if like, you know, Conzo Martin never had a team that played like this or had, didn't play defense or like, what? Okay, stop, stop. I am, I've had all the fucking Conzo Martin cheerleading I can take. Conzo <laughs> Martin was a bad coach. He was a bad coach. End of fucking story. All the fucking Rock M Nation statistics in the world will never convince me otherwise because I watched his basketball team. <laughs> and so what I don't want is Dennis Gates being compared to Conzo Martin in any sort of negative fashion. I mean, talk about not knowing ball. Like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. But anyway, I shouldn't say fuck you to anybody. That's that's way too – that's over the line. If you are list- if you tweeted something ridiculous like that out and you're listening to this now, like, fuck these guys. Don't listen to this podcast anymore because that guy's a dickhead. You're right, I am a dickhead, but yeah. please, I apologize. Too Colin's funny. fast and loose with his fuck yous, that's for sure. I, I am too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're, in, we're a hair trigger for fuck yous. Yeah, that's right. But nobody has any business being a Conzo Martin stan at this point. Certainly no, no. Anything. And that's why I was like, are we doing this again? Is this Conzo <laughs> Martin standing? I, I thought that guy was gone. I don't want really have to talk about him anymore. You yeah. know, like, please stop. You know, if I have to have one more person in my timeline to proud of being a friend of Conzo Martin like like Ben Fredrickson did. I'm going to fucking puke. Well, Colin, the, the bottom line here is that Dennis Gates is not Kim Anderson, but this is a terrible season, and what is the reality is the new has worn off of Dennis Gates. We pulled the cellophane back, and now he's ripe for criticism because if this becomes a pattern, if next year is terrible, if the recruits don't work out like the transfers and recruits have not worked out this year, then we're starting to talk about a problem. But I still, I say four years. After four years, everybody can shut the fuck up, and I'll say fuck you to them because everything's on the table after four years. But we're well, in year I two. I don't have a, a, a hard and fast year. That's because you were off of Conzo at year three. Well, but, that, but this is my point. Like, Conzo Martin never gave me a reason for optimism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the first year was okay. He was okay. But I saw his style of basketball. I was like, this is a rock fight. This is an ugly, dirty rock fight. And it sucks. And you're going to need phenomenal talent to overcome your terrible coaching and your terrible style. You know what I mean? Like, this is bad. This is, whereas Dennis Gates, sort of like drink, the reason I didn't drink off the, jump off the drink bandwagon, like Dennis Gates is recruiting a level that for me, bought, you know, gets him some leash. You know, I'm like, listen, I'm going to give this guy some autonomy to make some, some decisions that maybe I don't feel like I understand because look at his recruiting classes, you yeah, know, and yeah. Conzo Martin, you know, didn't have that after that first season. You know, he basically lucked out with the porters. and But the point remains, I could see myself giving Dennis Gates four years 
because of his recruiting. Sure. And because his style of basketball isn't Harlem Globetrotters versus Washington Generals circa 1961. <laughs> yeah, I believe we talked off air, Colin, at one point where we said, like, even when Missouri won under Conzo Martin, watching those games felt like homework. It was just brutal. It was it was brutal. And these games, honestly, though, right now are not much better. We no. look terrible. And I I know this is a, this is probably lazy criticism. But he subs too much. He, these guys cannot get in a rhythm. He's constantly moving guys in and out. This team doesn't have an identity, you know, on either end of the floor. They're not hard though, just defenders. They don't, you know, attack the basket. They're not three point shooters. There's just they're just sort of a mismatch of t- kids that are not coming together. Yeah, like they look disjointed. Now that can lead you to a little bit of optimism because that means they can figure it out. And what I mean by that is like, maybe they'll start playing together. Maybe there's going to come a point in this season where they sort of, the pieces start to fall into place and they start to figure one another out and Gates starts to figure out whose role is what and when to take them in and out of this game. Cause right now he is just, he's pulling too many levers. I think I can smell the desperation on both the play of our team and the coaching of Gates. You know, everybody's looking for answers and they're not finding any and they're pulling too many levers and it just looks awful. There gets to be a point where a team just needs a fucking win and they were hoping for it last night. And not only did they not get it, they were nowhere near getting it. And Colin, but not to give you too much Conzo deja vu, but uh, Rockham Nation, they had a different view of Conzo than we did, as you might recall, Colin. I'm going to read you just a headline from Rockham Nation that came uh, two days ago, January 30th. Well, Brendan, if you would have taken into account the average steals per one-third of each quarter, you'd understand that he was a pretty good coach. Sure, yeah. Because he had a pretty high, the team had a pretty high steals per third of each quarter in each game. And you can't make that up. You can't manufacture it. No, you can just put it on an Excel spreadsheet. And if you don't understand (laughs) the Excel spreadsheet, you don't know ball. Sure, we lost by 40 points and we looked ugly doing it. But there's some stats that say otherwise. But please, go on. Okay, so the headline on January 30th, two days ago, from Rocket Nation was, Mizzou is not a bad basketball team. Um, I, let me just read something else to you. Mizzou is 8-13 and 0-8 and and in conference. So I'm not going to read anything further. I'm just going to say, yes, they are. They're a bad fucking basketball team. <laughs> well, Rock Nation, again, why are you always wrong? Again, Stop trying to make know. shit up that's not true. Like, just I'm sure there's a great Excel spreadsheet if I scroll down here to tell me what my eye see isn't accurate, but... Fuck off. That's not right. Stop trying to tell us what we see with our eyes isn't the case. That doesn't make you cool. (laughs) No, 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 no. This terrible pale ale that tastes like fucking hops is so good. You just don't understand it. You don't have the complexity of palate that I do. No, it just fucking sucks, man. Just everybody, when a guy has to pucker their lips like they just sucked on a lemon, it's not a good beer. Quit trying to convince me it is. Mizzou basketball right now is not a good beer. It's a triple IPA that is fucking hard to choke down. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, you know, it's not like I'm basing this off of just like, this is the way I feel, you know, it's not the way I feel. I have numbers too. It's called O and eight in conference. Yeah. That's a good you know, number like to I, go off of whether you're good or not. Whatever number that they come up that has some acronym attached to it that explains what it's metric it's just measuring. I'm like, I don't care. They're O and eight and they look like crap. <laughs> that's you right. know, what do you, what more do you want to, what more do you need? The, oh, also, they're, 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 I'm not jumping off ship. I think, like I said, I think Gates is a good recruiter. I think he knows what he's doing. I mean, he already calls timeouts better than Conzo Martin ever did. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm okay with it. I yeah. I hate it, but I'm okay with it. We're never going to have down years. Goddamn, we ought to be used to it by now. 
Um, <laughs> That's right. The last decade but, has been a down year. Yeah. Except for like last year. Yeah. But, but you know, I'm just tired of being told that we're not bad because they are a 14.6 on the hibbity dibbity index. You know, like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Man, I'm going to tell you what. The hibbity-dibbity index don't lie, so we're gonna we're gonna, not going to agree on that. Hibbity-dibbity index knows ball. Yeah, it does. You know what? I think we found a new metric, uh, the hibbity-dibbity index. <laughs> That's um, right. Somebody create a graphic for us, tweet it out. Listen, the hibbity-dibbity index is really high right now. You're not wrong. Yeah, that's true. Well, Colin, uh, let's take our first break and move back into football because it's been a long time since we potted, and there's been a lot of football news that's come out since the giant Cotton Bowl win over Ohio State. I can't say that enough. So let's take our first break, get back into that, including our new defensive coordinator hire. This is the Mazotcast. The 1960 Missouri Tigers were a team of legends. Undersized and undefeated, they took on the Giants from Oklahoma, the Cheaters of Kansas, and the racism of the Civil Rights era. Trailblazer Norris Stevenson became Missouri's first ever black player. Giant of a man, Danny LaRose became the Tigers' first consensus All-American. Their dominant Orange Bowl win marked the first time in program history that a Missouri team could call themselves national champions. Read all about the amazing journey of these original true sons in the new book, Respectable Roughnecks by Brandon Steinbridge with a foreword by Missouri legend Gary Pinkle. Available on Amazon in hardcover and Kindle ebook. Follow their journey and claim 1960. Before we get going, I want to mention, because uh, I just don't want to forget, we have partnered with Home Field Apparel, which is, I think if you have any sports shirts, t-shirts, or hats, or jackets, or otherwise, you're aware of what Home Field Apparel is. They have partnered with us, really started around our book, Respectable Roughnecks, about the 1960 Mizzou team, but... I appreciate that hour in there, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Colin had nothing to do with it, but anyway... (laughs) They partner with us. In fact, if you buy anything off of their website, Home Field Apparel's website, and use the promo code CLAIM1960, one word, you can get 15% off as a new purchaser. So uh, that's a big savings. And they've got really cool Mizzou stuff as well as other teams' crap if you're interested in other college sports teams. But CLAIM1960 is the promo code. Use it, buy stuff, and get 15% off. So uh, moving on. Let's talk about Corey Batoon, Colin, our new defensive coordinator. We were waiting and waiting and waiting. I think it took about three weeks for Eli Drinkwitz to finally make the decision. This guy that I don't think very many people had heard of is coming in as our new defensive coordinator. Hawaiian guy. I don't know much about him. Do you, Colin? He had a lot of success at, the, at a lower level. You know, my biggest question when they were hiring was like, what's he run? You know, yeah, what's, yeah. what's he doing? What's he doing on defense? Because all I could think about was, Isaiah McGuire and Trajan Jeffcoat being animals, killing quarterbacks, and then Steve Wilkes coming in and turning our defense into that read and react gap fill fucking shit. 
Yeah. Pardon my French. And I was like, God, do not turn us into something we're not, you know? So, um, but it doesn't sound like he's going to do that. Runs the like four, two, five, three, three, five, a lot of fast guys on the field, a lot of pressure. You don't usually run those sort of defenses unless you're going to bring linebackers on blitzes. So I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of talent on this roster. And, uh, I think maybe expectations for Mizzou are a little high. Yeah. Well, yeah. Considering they, what we're losing, yeah. but, but I don't hate this hire by any means. Well, I think that lately Drinkwitz has been hitting home runs with his assistant hires. I think we had a big strikeout with Steve Wilkes, obviously, but we've got to remember that Drinkwitz was getting his footing as a head coach altogether. He had not been a head coach long, much like Barry Odom. The difference is I feel like Drinkwitz has found his footing and it took Barry Odom much longer to realize one, that he can't make all the plays on defense. They need somebody as an assistant and delegation is a huge part of that job. Um, I'm going to reserve my judgment until we see. Just like I did with Dennis Gates, just like we should all do with all of these guys, he has had experience at the higher level. He uh, coached at Ole Miss as an assistant AD for player development, so several different jobs. He's coached under Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin both, uh, most recently at Liberty before he took the South Alabama job where he where Drinkwitz stole him away from. But yeah. Hawaii guy who runs this sort of athletic style of defense that our players are accustomed to is sort of, I would say, Colin, a kind of a continuation of what Blake Baker was doing, which is a good thing. Well, as well as we played last season on defense after the about, about midway point of the season, it's hard to imagine drink what's going. I want to completely move away from what was working. Yeah, <laughs> you would think. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the pro- the problem is, is that you're going to lose Abram Strain. You're going to lose Rake Straw. And part of the reason Blake Baker is able to, you know, bring blitzes and bring that pressure was because he had guys who were good enough to be on an island. And listen, there's some there's some horses in the stable. Don't get me wrong, but like you just don't know until you've seen those guys um, on center stage. But uh, and you know, anytime you're going to run, you know, like a four-two-five. I mean, that's oh, that's two linebackers. That's five defensive backs. You know, if you run into a team that likes to run the football, which is not a lot of teams in college football, honestly, it's harder for an offensive lineman to square up a linebacker than it is for, you know, the, a smaller guy who's a defensive back. I mean, you run a screen to the outside and you ask an offensive lineman, would you rather have to block, you know, a guy who's 180 pounds or would you rather have to block a guy who's 230 pounds? I mean, he's going to tell you it's the smaller guy. He can eat that guy up. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's that. But I don't know. I'm 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 really worrying about things that uh, may not happen because I honestly, how many teams do you think are power running teams? You know, in the SEC, really? I mean, Mizzou's about as close as you got, um, at least of the games we played in against uh, SEC opponents. You know, because we had Cody Schrader and a really good offensive line. But even we didn't. You know, wouldn't I wouldn't consider us like a a run first, punch you in the mouth. You know, three yards, a cloud of dust kind of team. No, no, that doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, these types of defenses exist because the game has changed. Yeah, that's right. You need five defensive backs out there because there's going to be a bunch of really fast athletes. You know, the quarterback is almost certainly going to be in a shotgun. It's a it's a wide open offense for most teams. I mean, with the that the Texas Techs of the world with Mike Leach sort of opened this Pandora's box that I don't think we're ever going to shut again. That's right. Now, ultimately defenses are reactive to what offenses are giving them. And that's, this is what 
we're seeing on the offensive front, and, and that's what we're getting from the defensive front. So we are – I think Drinkwitz, for all the things you may love or hate about the guy, he is a guy who plays a modern brand of football. And that's a welcome change, I think. You know, coming out of the Gary Pinkle era, Gary Pinkle was wonderful and a legend, but he – at this point, he's from another time, you know, and Barry Odom was cut of his cloth at that time. I think he's adapting now, but I don't think Eli Drinkwitz is afraid on all fronts, whether it's recruiting and attacking social media or this or that or the other. He is a modern coach and he's looking for assistant coaches who will play the modern game as well. And the other thing I think that Corbettune, that maybe the, one of the things that brings him to Missouri or that is alluring to Missouri for a guy from Hawaii who for some reason signed on when it was negative 13 degrees here is that. Eli Drinkwitz is an offensive mind. He was an offensive coordinator. A defensive coach is just going to have more autonomy when the head coach was an offensive guy. You know what I mean? You're just not going to have somebody backseat driving for you as much, and that's probably appealing to him. You know, Blake Baker was a good coach. It wasn't just that we had success in the later half of the season with that pressure. It's that he changed mid-season. You know what I mean? Like we were running a lot more zone, and we were sort of – um, we, that, that sort of man pressure defense that we all enjoyed at the end of the season didn't really lock into about midway through the season. And to me, that's always a credit to a coach because a coach has, has something they plan on doing. And then they either change that plan, you know, based on circumstance or they double down and the amount of coaches in basketball, football, any sport who are willing to double down is frankly scary. Yeah. Like my, this is my system. This is the way it works. This is what we do. Double down, double down, double down. And what Blake Baker did was not double down. He looked at that game where Jaden Daniels basically ate us up because he set that soft fucking zone and went, listen, this is not it. This ain't it, fellas. And he, and it, that defense disappeared almost completely. I mean, you did see it like when the Mizzou would get up and, you know, sort of get in that sort of prevent style and stuff. And there were occasionally they used it, but it didn't, it definitely became very secondary piece of our defense. And that is a credit to Blake Baker. And that's what I don't know about this guy. You know, is he going, is, is he a double down guy? Cause his, his system can be as good as he wants, but if it's not working, is he willing to change it? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's part of the reason Blake Baker probably got that job. And I don't, I want to say this. I don't blame Blake Baker for taking that job. I mean, he did it in a bad way. He made asinine statements on Twitter, you know, made his little memes and then ran off for a guy that fired him. But Hey, it's, Kelly's a huge name. LSU is a blue chip program. This is how it works. You know, you, you perform and you get an opportunity to blue chip. And if you perform that blue chip, you're going to start getting opportunities as a head coach. So I don't begrudge him that. I just, the way he went out of town and then taking people's, I mean, that is just straight up bullshit. Yeah. No, Um, that's what I was going to say. I I have a little bit of a different opinion than you in that. I agree that the fact that other coaches are looking to snipe our guys is a sign that we're having success. This is what happens when you have success. People want to take your coaches and make them theirs. That's part of it. But I wish nothing but ill will on Snake Baker because uh, Blake Baker's a piece of shit. (laughs) He, He, I know he's, he's a brother for life for Eli Drinkwitz, but listen to me here. Coaches do this all the time. They leave for a better gig. They leave for more money. Fine. Go do that. Live your life. Run your business. Make your money. Get your bag. 
But you don't have to go online and you don't have to post some wolf of Wall Street saying, I ain't going anywhere and lie to our fucking faces. And he's not the first coach to do it and he's not going to be the last coach to do it. But they're all pieces of shit. And Blake Baker, Snake Baker is a piece of shit. And then when he continued to take Eli Drinkowitz's coaches after he left for LSU. The poaching. The poaching. That's what got me. The poaching. The lying to us with the bullshit tweets. No one made him send that tweet out. He didn't have to do it. He was in negotiations with LSU, who, by the way, the girl who fucking broke up with you, fucking Chip Kelly, you go right back, crawling right back to him like a little bitch you are, Blake Baker. I wish you nothing but ill will. Um, <laughs> and the only other person I feel like, and this, Colin, I never want to say this usually about college athletes when they do the transfer thing, but Trevin Brazil from Arkansas, I wish him all the worst. And I think all Mizzou fans who feel that way are justified in it. Not because he left for Arkansas. Fine, fine. Do it. Go get your money. Go find what's the better place for you. But he did nothing but talk shit about Mizzou for no reason. Nobody brought this on. Nobody had ill will towards the guy when he left. But he's done nothing but talk shit about Mizzou. So I wish him all the worst. And it sounds like things aren't going great for him. Yeah. Strange stories coming out of uh, Arkansas there. Yeah. Well, I've said this from the beginning. Success. This is what success for Drinkwitz looks like. We we win uh, the Cotton Bowl and beat Ohio State. Next year, we make the college football playoffs and drink, which isn't our coach anymore. But guys, that's it. That's what it is. And I've always said, that's great for us. You know I mean, that's great. That means we went to the college football playoffs. But the cost of a team like Mizzou going to the college football playoffs is probably you lose your coach. And maybe if you hire again and find another good guy and you, you sort of maintain that level of success, maybe some day you shake that. And you become a destination versus a stepping stone. But the simple truth is, is Mizzou's a bit of a stepping stone right now. And we, that's why Blake Baker was like, hey, it's LSU. It, it, it's Kelly. It's, it's the big boys. You know, this is, it's the big leagues. I'm being called up. You know, Mizzou has to become a relative big boy or this is what success looks like. Yeah. But you know what? I don't begrudge it. You know, the best possible outcome for us is drink which gets poached. Because Drinkwitz has to do great things for that to happen. And I won't begrudge him if he if he leaves. Now, if he lights a match and tortures the bridge behind him as he goes, like Snake Baker did, fuck him and feed him fish heads. Yep. I agree. I agree. So, But anyway, we're going to have to win a college football play or get in a po- college football playoff before we worry about that. And that is a tall order. Uh, the SEC, Colin, is radically changing. The great Nick Saban is gone. It had to happen eventually. This is the year Nick Saban has retired from Alabama and we're adding two more teams to the conference in Texas and Oklahoma. Things are going to be radically different in the conference on top of all of that. There's no divisions anymore. So all the schedules look very, very different. It's going to be wide open. I mean, ultimately it's the beginning of the super conference era. The big Ten's expanding. SEC is expanding. The PAC 12 is gone. Um, it's only going to continue. You know, the ACC is essentially Clemson, Florida State, and others. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be an interesting time. It's going to be very difficult for Mizzou to make it where the expectations are. Expectations going into this season are going to be radically different than they were going into uh, this past season. But there is a path for us, especially with a 12-team playoff. Yeah. The 12-team uh, thing is important. I, I don't think this Mizzou team is going to be – a top four team. I hope they are, but I, that's a, that's a huge ask. It's yeah. a huge ask, especially when you're losing a, a running back like Cody Schrader and you're losing a, a cornerback tandem like Rake Strawn and, um, 
Abram Strain. But we're also we're going to have arguably the best wide receiver tandem in the country. Uh, you hope that there's somebody behind uh, Schrader to pick up that mantle. Most of that offensive line is going to be, uh, well, I shouldn't say most, some of that offensive line is going to be back. And hopefully there's guys behind it. Like I said, there's a lot of unknowns right now on this Mizzou roster, but you have to feel like we're starting to see the fruits of good recruiting. And I would look for that to continue. Uh, so I'm optimistic, just like everybody else. I think we can make a 12-team playoff. A new defensive coordinator is uh, unfortunate that we have to go down that road, but it's a sign of success. And, uh, and you know, I, I've listened to a lot of podcasts where Mizzou has been mentioned. And, you know, like the press is on us. You know, we, we are we are meant to be meant to be in the 12-team playoff. If you listen to a lot of people, and so. There's so many podcasts now, Brennan. Good Lord, there's so many podcasts now. Yeah, this is year 11 um, for the Mazodcast, Colin. Um, every former NFL player now has their own podcast. Every NBA player has their own podcast. Mm-hmm. I Cam Newton does one where he dresses like if Tyler Perry made a Willy Wonka movie. Sure, <laughs> sure. And I'm just like, what is it? What is happening right now? Like, what is going? I it's strange, but. Medea and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, (laughs) Is that the name of it? Medea and the Chocolate Factory? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, it is. There's a lot going on. Colin, I wanted, I did want to bookend the season because since we potted last, the final AP and coaches poll came out. Missouri at 11 and two for the season ended as the number eight team in the country from both polls. Incredible top 10 finish for the Tigers with the, of course, Cotton Bowl win over Ohio State to bookend the season. I mean, momentum is very, very high. And honestly, it makes it a lot easier to swallow this absolute Kim Anderson basketball year that we're having. Uh, the fact that we're just still riding high from, you know, top 10 football program and things continuing to look good on that front. And Colin, you talk about moving into next season and being difficult. I think Eli Drinkwitz has earned a little bit of trust when it comes to the recruiting and the transfer portal and making sure the guys we want stay and the guys we need come uh, because he's been doing it. And it's finally paid its dividends after me being an absolute unhinged critic at the beginning of the season. <laughs> well, um, you know, that's what you, you finally finish top 10 in the country. You get a little more leeway yeah. uh, with all of it. Yeah. I, uh, really, I wanted to mention one more thing or a couple more things before we go. One thing, I had been telling Brennan secretly, uh, I was worried about the antlers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the antlers, they were sitting pretty close to the front. And they're, they're taking pictures with Rene, Desiree, Francois, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on here? Did the antlers sell out? And I hadn't seen any behavior. Not that I've been at the games to see it like firsthand. I was like, man, are they, are they going soft on us? Last night's Arkansas game alleviated all those fears for me. <laughs> sure. I want to say I apologize to the antlers for every doubting you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wasn't going to take it to the, I wasn't going to take it to this platform, and I was doubting you because I was like, man, I just don't want to. I mean, I, I have such a reverence for the the antlers and everything that they do, but but you know, because to me the antlers, I mean, if the if the athletic director isn't aggravated with you at least half the time, you're probably not doing your job. Right. And these guys, I think, aggravated a few people last night, and that's what I ask. That's what I ask of my antlers. Sure, yeah, that's so, uh, kudos, antlers. The Arkansas is undoubtedly, I think, a rival at this point. And although the game didn't go as we ex- hoped, uh, crazy news coming out of Arkansas. Lots of things going on in the rumor mill. A lot of them focus squarely at Trevon Brazil, who was one of our guys who would. Burned a bridge as he left, and so as as the rumors flutter about him. What are the rumors, Brennan? 
I don't. I really, don't even. I mean, I know that. Man, I don't know exactly, and I don't necessarily want to get into it, Colin, because they do border on some touchy subjects that, like, people can take the wrong way, or people will well, I, intentionally take their homosexuality stuff. Like, that's the that's the vibe I was getting from. There is, uh, yeah. There's a rumor that there's like a love triangle in the locker room, and he's involved, mm. and so like whatever, yeah. you know. Like, I don't. I don't care. Part of being a college student is that you come a lot, you know, and I don't really care where <laughs> the come lands. <laughs> yeah. However you get there, you get there. Yeah. So I'm not going to make any judgments. As long or, as everyone is adults and consenting, let yes. your freak flag fly. You know what I mean? Like you would, yeah, you do make, you. Making no proclamations about where the cum lands, but there is <laughs> yeah, well, talk about the cum spraying and yeah. um, pretty unexpected in a locker room. But anyway, that being yeah. said, the antlers uh, brought the heat for sure. A couple other things. I, I, I home field apparel, you know, get you, you're going to be the Rizosaurus Rex here, guys. If you, if you, if you use the uh, promo code, yeah. Claim 1960. Claim 1960. Um, yep. Yeah. So, uh, do that. Um, what else was there? Oh, I wrote a book. I don't know if I've mentioned that or not. Brandon wrote a book. The, yes. The person who wrote that articulate and, uh, uh, entertaining book is also the guy that was just talking about spraying cum. Sure. Um, two same, things same can dude. be true at the same time, guys. Um, <laughs> well, Colin, I want to say I did, uh, actually, I was on the SEC Network's SEC This Morning show with Peter Burns and, How much cum and Chris Doring. No, you know, surprisingly, there was not a almost lot. Almost none. Almost no cum spraying talk on that program. <laughs> uh, there's, I'm in discussions with Paul Feinbaum, producer, Colin. I may be going on talking about the book with Paul Feinbaum. Oh. The real, not the fine bot, but the fine balm himself, which would be crazy. Um, I will try to refrain from talking about spraying jizz on that one as well. But well, uh, Brennan, unless it comes I up in conversation. I've been re- I've been impressed with your restraint through all of this. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll continue to do well. Yeah, um, but hey, if you are interested in the book, to all seriousness, go on Amazon. It's currently available in hardback, ebook, and on Kindle, and we're launching it into an audio book. And if there's any Tennessee fans that are interested, I'm going to produce a coloring book version. Um, <laughs> That's very very nice of you. Yeah, and the paper book's um, coming out at the end of March. But anyway, it's called Respectable Roughnecks, The True Story of a Forgotten Champion. It is about Mizzou's 1960 National Championship football team that went 11-0 and despite cheating from the Kansas Jayhawks and also featured a first integrated team with uh, Norris Stevenson and Mel West, who are the Jackie Robinsons of Mizzou football. So it's an awesome little story, and I was glad to be able to tell it. And anyway, had lunch, Colin, with a couple of the dudes from that 1960 team, Jerry Wallach and Don Wainwright. Uh, they came mm-hmm. into Columbia. How was Red Robin? <laughs> yeah, it was great. We actually went to Sophia's. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was good. Um, but those guys talked football for an hour and a half. Uh, our wives were just gla- – their eyes were glazed over, but it was awesome for me. And those guys have amazing stories talking about uh, you know playing against and playing with legends from the co- college and pro football world. So anyway – Enough about that. And Brendan, well, the last thing you guys may know, we have a Patreon page yeah. um, for our most devoted listeners who may enjoy uh, this program. Appreciate our Patreon listeners. We do a show on Patreon called Nerding Out where me and Brendan talk about like entertainment stuff, shows we're watching, stuff we're nerding out to. If you enjoy our brand of humor, you might enjoy it. And it's been Patreon exclusive to this point, but some of the older episodes we're going to start releasing – now that the, we're in the doldrums, we're about ready to football season's about to end for com- professional football. Um, there's not a lot to do. So we thought, you know what? We'll start to, you know, 
obviously when we do a nerding out, our Patreonos will always have access to that first for quite a while, but we are going to start releasing some nerding outs into the Mazodcast feed for anybody that's interested, just because. And uh, if so, if you like us and you enjoy this and you also enjoy, you know, television and stuff, movies, that kind of thing, it's, it might be worth a listen. Yeah. Or skip over it if you think it sucks. So, uh, yeah. whichever. Also on Patreon recently, if you do go down the 1960 Mizzou rabbit hole, as obviously I have, I uh, recorded a bunch of interviews with a lot of the players from that team and some of which are not, they're no longer with us. They passed on. And so I'm slowly dropping some of those interviews on our Patreon feed. Very interesting stuff. Some of the stuff that didn't make it into the book as well. So anyway, a lot to chew on in there. And hopefully on the Mazodcast feed, if you start nerding out with us. That'll be awesome. I hope I can find time to, uh, you know, just keep up with all of it, Bryn. You know, I've got kids and a wife and uh, a job, and but mostly Call of Duty. That's, that's is, right. is, is the is the is the problem. Mostly right. Call of Duty, but uh, we'll we'll make it all work. Yep, that's right. For uh, $3, you can get into all the Patreon business. So anyway, uh, hopefully Mizzou basketball will turn around and we can stop seeing the words Kim Anderson. And <laughs> also football will stay on the up and up and we'll get some exciting news on the recruiting front. Till then, M-I-Z. D-O-U. You know, I'm just tired of being told that we're not bad because they are a 14.6 on the hibbity dibbity index. You know, like, who gives a fuck? <laughs>